You're listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Legends of Runeterra. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. To become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com slash legendscast. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the legends of Runeterra. My name is Mark or the Lift from outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and with me tonight is my legendary and ever faithful co-host, Dead Broke Nerd. Dead Broke Nerd, how you doing tonight, man? Doing pretty darn good. Thank you for asking. You know, I love that we record on Mondays. I remember when we would record in the middle of the week on Wednesdays. I was always way more tired. Mondays are great. You, you know, you haven't been beaten down by the uh, by the work week yet. It is. It is great. And you know what's awesome? Last night, I uh, I said no to gaming and I went to sleep at Whoa. like nine forty five. And I slept for like nine and a half hours. And it was amazing. And I didn't even have coffee tonight. Like I usually have post dinner coffee, no Mm -hmm. coffee tonight. Freaking ready to go for podcasting, bro. I feel more awake right now than I have in like four weeks. And yes, for, uh, for four weeks for legends cast, I swear. (laughs) Oh man, that that's crazy. That that's pretty cool though. Unfortunately, I, I, I didn't get to watch as much of your stream as I would have liked because I was pretty stuck in meetings today at work. But uh, I did see you were playing some some LOR. What uh, I know you got one seven one run. Yeah. Well, um, you know what? I streamed for about three hours. I I just chatting, hanging out with people for forty five minutes at the beginning of that. Uh, mm-hmm. So we only ever have one time for like <laughs> one full expedition run, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but we grind out though. We 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 did grind out a seven win run with uh, it was Shavana um, and Jarvin. But we didn't start with Shivana. It was Jarvan and something else. Uh, Renekton. It was Jarvan Renekton. And we just happened to get two Shivanas. It was the weirdest deck in the world. It had like 15 four drops in it, I think. It was just all fours. And somehow, (laughs) somehow we pulled out the wins. I have absolutely no idea how it happened. Uh, It had to do with the... uh, Actually, it's an elite in Demacia. It is a four mana four four. But the first time it challenges something... It becomes the five mana five five with tough uh, from Demacia. And I can't even remember the name of that card because I've never played it before except today. And it mm. is a freaking boss. In <laughs> If you on turn four can get a five five with tough on the board with Challenger, because I had a couple of the Penitent Squires or whatever. Um, wow, dude. It's really, it's a really, really strong card in, uh, in, in Expedition. So, yeah, we got a seven win run in Expedition Day, uh, grinding out that event pass. I still got a little ways to go. Now I have to know, how yeah, are you same. doing on the event pass? How, how you doing? Um, you know, I'm doing all right. Uh, I'm over halfway, uh, but I do, I do have some, some work to do on it. But honestly, um, I've been playing so much labs. Labs is such a lab of legends is such a easy way to knock out quests. Um, cause you're doing bonkers overpowered crap. So, uh, you know, play X number of spells in a round. Well, okay, I'll play Riven and break the game by playing 60 spells in one turn. This happened. Yeah. This, yeah, this actually I, happened. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the yeah because you can get your spells discounted and then just like and chain on chain and... on chain and replicating. Yes. Uh, I want to get into Lab of Legends conversation. I give our, our listeners a heads up. So last week we released an episode about predictions about upcoming changes then the next day we found out what those changes were obviously there was you know a community uproar on the other side of that we haven't actually talked about that yet but we get the luxury of being able to talk about 
uh, Riot's response tonight. But what one thing we did not want to have happen is in all of that conversation, we didn't want to miss the Lab of Legends update because it is really cool and deserves, I don't know, whoever's on the Lab of Legends team, um, he, he better have gotten a pay raise uh, over this past week because he's, he's, the, he's the praise, he's the source of praise in the game. Um, you got to play some labs, I would imagine. I know that you were playing uh, some duo stuff, but I mentioned you got to play some Lab of Legends too. What, what, what were you checking out with Lab of Legends? Well, so the, the cool thing is, is that right now uh, with the Lab of Legends update, um, they added five more champions, uh, most of which are the new champs. Um, yep. So, you know, you've got uh, Lysandra, Malphite, um, Zillion, a Zillion, Azir, or not Azir, uh, Irelia, and then one more. Fizz. And Fizz, Fizz is that's right. Um, and if you can win with all of them, you get this really cool Malphite card back. Um, so I have been on a uh, on the grind trying to get that card back because that's a fun, you know, I like I liked labs uh, or what was it? Uh, Tavern brawls. I love Tavern brawls and Hearthstone because there was a reward associated with it. Yeah. Um, my biggest complaint this whole time with with labs uh, has been the lack of rewards and they are clearly doing something about that, which I absolutely love. I like to. I like to earn stuff <laughs> is, is the, is the long and short of it. So, um, no, I, I'm really, uh, enjoying it. I will say I, I, I have gotten the worst luck. So I played like about four or so runs, uh, on Saturday throughout okay. the day on Saturday. Um, and it started with me finishing my Braum run, which I, which I won. Uh, and then went over to, um, work on these other ones. And, uh, I had, I did, uh, one with, uh, Zillion, one with, uh, Aurelia and one with Malphite. And in each case, I got all the way to Victor and then bricked my hand and lost to the the Victor at the end. I've had that happen a couple of times and it does not feel great. It, it is the great. worst. It feels so bad. You get the whole way to the end. It's like, oh, it's over now. No retry. <laughs> yeah. Well, especially off of like a, a dead opening draw, like you can build your deck as good as you want. But if you like you don't have creatures for the first three or four turns, like you can't do anything. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. I I, uh, I completely feel that <laughs> I had uh I had a Riven game that I went to the end with and just bricked, didn't get the Riven, lost him in the last game. And uh, yeah, so I played a lot of Lava Legends as well. Did, now, did you get through all five of the new ones or are you still working your way through No, them? no, no. I'm still working my way through them. Okay. Which ones did you, or did you complete any of them? Do you have one that you really liked? Like if, if you played Malphite a couple of them. Malphite is my favorite. Malphite, Malphite is, is favorite? because they added a bunch of new passives. Right. Some of which mm-hmm. do some really bonkers stuff with landmarks. Like one of them will pull a random landmark to start the game. Yes. Um, one of them will start you with an Emperor's Deus in play. Uh, one of them will start you with a, ro- a hibernating rock bear. And then anytime you count down, uh, you get another hibernating rock bear in hand. And then there's a yet another one uh, that will say you start with an ancient preparations in your hand. And then for the whole rest of the game, anytime a countdown resolves, you resolve its benefit twice. Um, so yeah. there's so many new passives that go directly with Lysandra, Talia, and Malphite that it's just so fun to play with all those new options. So I and Zillion. Uh, I, and, and Zillion. 
Oh, yeah, no, Zillion was, well, I'll say this. Zillion was my least fun, but I'll explain that. Mm -hmm. So I have finished all five. I finished them over the weekend. I just couldn't quit. Like, I wanted to pace myself. Was even in the Discord talking with people from the show about the fact that I was trying to pace myself. And then I just couldn't quit playing this weekend. Yeah, I just didn't (laughs) pace myself. Uh, I was just having way too much fun. And you're right. Like, I was blowing a lot of those quests uh, for, you know, gaining my event pass shards and stuff Mm -hmm. out of the water because of, you know, playing Lab of Legends. I had so much fun with it this weekend. So I finished all of them, and the two that come to mind the most was Zillion. I had a really hard time with Zillion because he's he's sort of a the, the base deck that you get really needs specific cards and specific champions to make it work, and, uh, and I wasn't getting those. But at one point in that run, I ended up getting uh, the Katarina with plus two, plus two, um, when she attacks, you nab one, and when you play her, you refill your spell, your mana equal to her cost, which was like the unlimited combo, uh, you know, Katarina, just keep putting her back in your hand, and, and killed my opponent. And it was always like, I had the plus one plus one mana as one of my base abilities. So like, on on turn two, I would play her, and I had a, I attack every round, attack with her, put her in my hand, turn four, I'd play her. I won, I won on turn three every game after that, which was just bonkers. <laughs> Uh, the other one was Fizz, and I got the Professor Von Yip ability on Fizz, ah. um, which allowed me to play out all of my one drops uh, became plus two, plus two. And I got Zoe, and then on Zoe, I got plus two, plus four total on her. So when I played her, she was a five, seven uh, one a one mana elusive five seven uh, that would put stuff in my hand. It was absolutely crazy, and so I, I feel weird because uh, my my uh, I got to go back and try it again because my zillion won because of Katarina and my fizz deck actually won because of Zoe. <laughs> uh, it was like my alternate win my alternate win strat, but it's so much fun. I mean, I'm I'm seriously I'm in love with Lab of Legends. And did you notice when you first start they give you unlimited re rolls on your first ability now? Yeah, I really like that. I thought that was great because what people were doing is they were just like gener- like hitting start run. And if they didn't get what they wanted, they just retired and restarted anyway until they yeah. got what they wanted. So their result for that was like, okay, let's just give them unlimited rate rerolls. Let if they them do it anyways. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So if you want to play as like authentically as you can and uh, you know, like you, you, if you want to play as authentically as you can, like jump in and take one of the three randoms, you can, or if you are the person who wants to sort of like, you know, game it and make sure you get the one that you want, you can just keep keep clicking real. Because at first I was like, why didn't they just give out all of the options and you just picked one, right? Well, it would take up a lot of screen space, A, B. Maybe it was just like, well, maybe somebody wants to get random ones and see if they can do it. Because there's a little bit of a challenge associated with that. Um, and Malphite Cardback's amazing. It, it It's a really cool cardback. Uh Played with it a little bit today. We played some uh, Malphite uh, Yasuo today, uh, which was a lo- which was a lot of fun. We came back in two games against spiders from the very brink of death, and one of them was leveled up Malphite, leveled up Yasuo on board, and we got to use Malphite's uh, spell, Unstoppable Force or whatever, and just annihilate their entire board with our Yasuo. Felt yeah, pretty stinking fun. good. Yeah, yeah, felt pretty good. Um, it is really punishing. Once I mean, I understand why that deck's not good in the current meta. Um, but in certain matchups, it's like, it is really satisfying to pilot. I'm sure it was insanely frustrating for my opponent to lose when I was at four life and I got leveled Malphite and leveled Yasuo on board. 
Um, and that deck only runs one landmark. Uh, the only landmark I won, of course, is Eye of Raharak because it's an automatic, you know, it's four points towards leveling up Yasuo if you get four stuns. And it's an automatic level up of Malphite, making him, you know, <laughs> making it really strong. Uh, was was really fun to play around with that for sure. Uh, anything else you've been playing this week on LOR? Anything you've been enjoying, man, or mostly just labs? Uh, yeah, mostly just labs. Um, well, because I guess at the beginning of last week, um, after we recorded, I decided to sit down and actually bother to play ladder, um, just to get myself into gold at least. Um, so I was sitting at the bottom of silver four where I got dumped, uh, on the reset and just hadn't really played. Um, so I said, you know what, let me, let me get to gold real fast. So I played Vlad Brom and lost three games going from silver four to gold four, uh, Vlad Brom is amazing. Wow. But I talked about that last, last, uh, I talked about Vlad Brom at least last week. So I won't, I won't go crazy with it again. I feel like I'm that guy that just geeks out about the same thing over and over, but Vlad Brom is just my baby. <laughs> I really like it. Yeah. I just love it. Everything about that deck just, just clicks. Um, so, you know, that, that felt really good and, and some cool wins. And then I had a really great discussion, uh, with majestic purple Buffalo about some of the choices in my list and some of the, you know, things he runs. And we just had a nice little nice. Vlad Brom, uh, brainstorm sesh, uh, you know, just kind of going over our, our two different but but equally valid approaches. So it was fun. Um, I, I'll be honest, as much as I played Lab of Legends over the weekend, the last two days, I have been more obsessed with uh, I got back into Gwent just okay. just for funsies. Yeah, um, it's been funsies, I hear. It has been funsies. You know, it, a Gwent was al always a game that really tickled my brain in a different way, you know, because... Sure. Um, it with Gwent, like half the battle is in the deck building stage, uh, but in a cool way, you know, like you. I don't want to go crazy with like talking about Gwent, but but at the end of the day, the deck building in it is really crunchy and mechanically mm. satisfying. Um, and every little, uh, you know, addition you make has a ripple in the deck. And the, it's really more about building decks that will hit as consistently as possible because they're smaller decks. You have all these cards that are intended to like thin your deck so that you, you have like every round you play, it's a three round game. You get mulligans on each round, but you can set oh, them up. But to, in, at least you could, I, I haven't, I don't know how much of the game mechanics have changed. I haven't noticed enough over the games that I've played because I was just getting into it again. Uh, but, um, you know, you get mulligans that will stack up. If you don't use it one round, you can carry it over into the next round. It just There's a lot of really interesting stuff with how Gwent works. Plus, it's a really beautiful game, and the music's amazing because it's Witcher universe. So all in all, um, just really, really enjoy... Uh, that and there is a currently a Dota 2 major going on, so I've been keeping tabs on that as well. Oh, well, that's cool. Yeah, that's very cool. You know, I uh, I got into a League of Legends fantasy league this week, so that's did you really? That's, been, that's fun. yeah, occupying my time. So uh, the church that I pastor, Lux Digital, um, one of the members of the of the church wanted to get a fantasy league together, so he got some like old friends that used to be in one with him. And I think three or four of us from the church and we got into uh, an LOL fantasy league and I did a draft uh, this week and caught some of the matches because now I'm like really interested in matches. Right, right? now because, that it matters. <laughs> yeah, because now that it matters. So I, lo I lost week one. I'm pretty, it's just NA and I actually don't follow. I didn't follow NA at all. Uh, I always followed the EU 
brackets because I was off on Thursdays and EU oftentimes started playing on Thursdays a couple of years ago. So I would watch EU games and was a really a fanatic fanboy and uh, really loved Reckless. He was like my favorite player and uh, have followed him. He's on G2 now. So I now like, I you know, I watch him on G2, although I still love FNC. Anyway, so now I'm I'm over here and um, I'm, I like uh, Immortals a lot, which is uh, a team when I was really watching uh, Huni and uh, Reckless were on the same team at Fnatic. And Hooney came over and joined Immortals, and now I'm I'm trying to follow Immortals. So a lot of C9 and Immortals players, but uh, it was really fun. Immortals had three wins this weekend, and that doesn't have anything to do with LOR because we don't really have that strong a competitive scene for LOR. Of course, nothing like LOL, but it makes me wonder. Like I'm kind of like, man, it would be really cool um, to have favorite players, and I remember having favorite players in tournaments that I was so excited to watch um, back uh, when Hearthstone was out. And when I watched Hearthstone, man, like I was in it, man, watching dog play, watching Tice play, <laughs> watching some of the ladder warriors that didn't stream play. I used to love to catch Hearthstone tournaments, man, so much. Yeah, and I, uh, I really look forward to seeing that in LOR someday because uh, I know that there's some good players out there right now. Um, but really would love to see it get a little bit more support because I want I want to be a fanboy, man. I, I want to see my favorite player sponsored by a team. I'd love to buy a jersey for LOR, uh, you know, one day. Uh, if, if that ever became a possibility. So uh, it just made me really want that, that, you know, that it made me think of Runeterra. It made me really want that for Runeterra. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's totally legitimate. I think that there's so much yet unexplored territory that if we look at the Hearthstone model, didn't really get, it, it took time for that to get put together too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, I'm not like being impatient. I realize we're only a year into this game. It was probably three years before we really saw, saw Hearthstone hit its stride there. You know, even yeah. if we beat that sometime this year, if we start seeing some bigger tournaments cropping up, that would be really cool. Um, but speaking of tournaments, we did uh, conclude a, uh, a Legends of Runeterra season, a league here, um, season three. And we told you guys we were going to get uh, the winner of that league on the show. And uh, something that was really interesting that I learned about him in this show, which is actually embarrassing. I'll tell you in a moment, but just so you know, that's only possible because of our supporters over at patreon.com. So we just sent out a whole bunch of prizes. We ordered a bunch of shirts as giveaways, all of that sort of stuff. We do giveaways every month to our Patreon supporters. And there is now one pint glass left because this month's Patreon supporter got back to me. They want the last hat. So our last hat's going out the door after a year of having hats. Uh, that one or probably over a year of having hats. That one's going to go. Um, and so uh, thank you guys so much for supporting us. If you do, support us over at patreon.com i think that today marks almost exactly the two-year anniversary of the show um which is probably worthy of celebration as well honestly I I, <laughs> I I like i'm just realizing that but i think our first episode was like really really close to june 7th oh no no it was june 22nd was the first episode so okay mm -hmm. so that's great we have uh we have two weeks in two weeks we're going to celebrate on the 21st we'll celebrate uh our two-year anniversary, which is And really if you cool guys well. have ideas for how we should celebrate, please let, let us, us know. know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so this thing that I learned, I'm going to spoil it because I'm going to talk about it in the interview here in a moment as well. But the thing that I learned during an interview with Mateus, who was our season three winner, was he was our season one winner for EU as well. Huh. And, he, and he missed the signups for season two. So he has signed up for two 
leagues and has won both of them so far. Dang, that's that's pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> pretty impressive. And some of the stuff that he talks about in the show in terms of in the interview, in terms of his strategy uh, about how that came about and everything is really fun and super enjoyable. And uh, so anyway, guys, uh, go ahead and, and tune in. And I hope that you enjoy uh, this interview with the Legends Cast Discord League Season 3 champion, Mateus. The party has arrived. Okay, guys, today I have with me the winner of the Legends Guest Season 3 Discord League. And for those of you who don't know, uh, we do, throughout different times, we do these leagues that go like 6 or 8 or 10 or sometimes 50 weeks, it seems like. Um, and players play one game a week, and as they play through those games, uh, it's kind of like a, uh, like a, a Swiss format. And then after a little while, um, after the Swiss format, then you go into like a top eight. And with me today is my good friend, uh, Mateus, who is the winner of season three. Mateus, how you doing today, buddy? I'm not too bad. Not too bad. How are you? I'm doing well, my friend. Now this, you are our first, I believe our first EU winner. How does it feel to be representing the EU, the first EU representative in, in the winners of the discord league? Great. Honestly. I feel like Europeans are a bit underrepresented in in the league, so I feel proud that I I achieved a win for Europe. Let's go Europe! Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, we uh, actually I played against EU members. I think almost every single week that I was in the league, it just so happened that's how I got matched up. But I never got matched up against you, which is good because then I probably would have ended up losing a lot worse, uh, as it turns out. Um, so you really kind of took a tear through the second half. I know the first couple rounds of Swiss were a little rough for you, but you kind of turned it around and ended up, uh, you know, clinching one of those top eight spots. Is that correct? Yes. So, um, I just went with my, uh, traditional Trindamer Trindle deck and thanks to the format where the winning deck, uh, stands, it really carried me almost through all the matches. So is that the deck that you feel most comfortable on? Is that Trindamir? Now, does that, is that the feel the rush deck? Is it have the, uh, the pops, the Trindamir and the Trundle out on board, uh, you know, around turn 10 is 10 tens. Is that the deck that you were playing? Yes, exactly. Uh, I, I started when I was, uh, when I was just a small kid, like I'm still, I'm still quite young, but when I was around 10, I built my first deck in, uh, Magic the Gathering and it was ramp deck so I kind of st stuck with this theme so I really like ramp in Runeterra as well so well speaking of you said you played Magic the Gathering as a kid I am kind of curious Mateus first off how old are you oh I'm 20 <laughs> 20. Okay, 20. So I think that also probably makes you the youngest winner of the Discord League. <laughs> I don't think I don't think either uh, Nerf Lulu or Static. Uh, I think they're both older than 20. Um, I think they're both in their maybe mid to late 20s, I believe. Um, so I think that makes you our youngest winner as well. But what what's your kind of your card game history? I mean, what games did you come from? You're saying you played MTG, so obviously Root Terror isn't the first card game. But what kind of card games do you have experience in and you've played before? So I started obviously with MTG, but at first I just, uh, I don't know, I, I just smashed cards together as a small kid. I didn't know, uh, I, I couldn't speak English and I couldn't read English. So 
I just sma smashed those cards together and just imagined some sort of battle between them. So, and I learned those rules like uh, many years later. And yeah, so with friends, we were just uh, playing some uh, drafts and some other constructed MTG, but I never went to any tournaments or anything like that. And then Hearthstone came out and it was really convenient to have it on my phone. So I played Hearthstone for a couple of years, but uh, then I kind of got bored of playing just one or two decks each season because I just didn't have the money to spend on the game and the game didn't really provide you with too many options with uh, collecting cards for free. So, And so after... After I stopped playing Hearthstone, I pretty much didn't play any card games until Runeterra came out. So, uh, yep, that's my... Interesting. Do you, do you remember what was out, like what expansion of Hearthstone that you kind of quit in? Oh. Um, that might be a hard question, especially if it was a while ago, right? I think uh, the last ones I remember is where some catacombs when they had uh, uh, some weird creatures and they had the kobolds right kobolds, kobolds, yeah, kobolds. and catacombs yeah kobolds okay and catacombs. yeah so the... yeah i had left hearthstone just before kobolds and catacombs got released um and had uh, had moved on to greener pastures and other places uh, and other digital card games but both you and i have that background and uh in both MTG and in Hearthstone and, you know, secretly behind the scenes, Mateus, and I mean, this is his first time on the show, but Mateus and I know each other and, uh, and we've hung out online a couple of different times, uh, both, you know, LOR related and non LOR related. So it's always just good to get a chance to, to hang out with a friend of the show and, and, you know, someone who I consider to be a friend personally. Um, so I, I'm kind of curious because this season I did not do well, whether I didn't prepare well or because I insisted on only playing mono region decks. I'm not sure. <laughs> we got a little taste of what your strategy was. You kind of had that comfort pick and it's, it's really interesting because the feel the rush trundle Trindamir deck has pretty much been off of everybody's radar since Sharima hit the field. But I am curious to know, kind of like, what was your strategy going into Swiss versus going into the tournament? How did you prepare uh, for for the various portions of of the season? Because you were obviously, I mean, had to have been fairly prepared. I mean, you you win streaked pretty much since the you know the second or third round of Swiss, the whole way through the championship, and then ended up winning uh, the top eight, at, you know, to clinch the finals and and win there. Uh, yeah, so as as we as I already said, uh, the Swiss round, I just took it took took it easy and went with my comfort pick with the Trindamir uh, Trundle deck, and uh, and then in the knockout stages, I I think uh, I uh, Irelia was just released. Yes, right? like right at the end of our season, we got the Aurelia Azir meta. Sure. Yeah. So, and I, so I went with the mindset that I don't have to ban Aurelia, and because I quite enjoy playing a Soul Shivana deck, and also Draven Ezreal is one of my favorites, and then I just picked, uh, yeah, then I just added the comfort pick with Trindamere Trundle, and I added, uh. Uh, Irelia 
and Azir just so I can play my free decks. I haven't actually played any matches with Azir Aurelia, but I knew that everyone will ban it automatically, so that will guarantee that I can play my decks. <laughs> you know, it's really interesting you say that because uh, I ended up being the admin for your final game. And um, I, I know that because, you you know, he sent me, Matea sent me, and then um, our uh, Sean Golly Spurs, I think, was our, our other yeah. finalist uh, who ended up coming in second for the season, sent me his list as well. And so before the, like, I sent the deck lists to you guys, and then before I received my bans from people, I get a message from Mateus that says, I really hope they ban a really Azir because I haven't played it, but I really want to play my other decks. And so your strategy was actually, let's just throw this meta deck in that I've never piloted just because it's so warping to the game right now that I know everyone is going to ban it. Um, and then and then your strategy was, let him play a really Azir. I have a lot of practice on the decks that counter that deck. Um, which I think is really interesting because Shavana Asel is traditionally thought of as a deck that beats Aurelia Azir, you know, pretty effectively. Am, am I correct about that? Uh, yes, I, I at, le at least in my experience. I, to be honest, I didn't play too many test matches because my exams are coming up uh, to uni, so I have to study quite a lot. But at least from what I've heard from other experts, uh, Asol Shivana was doing pretty good against against this deck. So I just went with that. Absolutely. Now, I, and I'm kind of curious here. How big of a how big of a, a impact do you think having that ban that that sort of ban phase, getting an idea about what your opponent's playing? Be able to being able to sort of twist your opponent's arm by throwing a Aurelia Azir in there, even though you didn't want to play it. How big of an impact do you think that had on your success in in this season of the league in general? Oh, uh, I think mm. I don't know. I don't know. I just I I try to not think too hard about it. Just uh, stay. Uh, kind of casual about it and just enjoy the tournament so I just usually I just ban the deck I don't enjoy playing against not necessarily the deck I lose most to because if it's a fun mm. game I am fine with it, it even if I lose you know, it's, it's really interesting because you don't always talk to the person who climbed to the top of the tournament and then won the tournament and they're as laid back as Mateus is. He's also one of the best card game players that I know uh, personally in my conversations with him and, and seeing the way that he's competed because you've you've competed, I think, in all three leagues and you've done quite well, although didn't come out on top in the previous two. Um, oh, but you competed uh, pretty well in season one and two, did you not? I've I in the season one I actually won the European European uh, bracket, but at oh. the end we didn't uh, do the final match between the European winner and the American winner. And in the second season I forgot to sign up because I had too too much studies. So I I I think I I won both of my. Uh, entries oh shoot i didn't even realize that i completely forgot that you were actually our season one eu winner and we didn't have cross shard up so you never got to play against static sheep yeah and we didn't end up actually interviewing you on the show then so does i mean 
I mean, as casual as you are, you're literally undefeated in the Discord League right now. Like in terms of you've won both tournaments you've entered into. Yeah, if you if you wanna say it like that. To be honest though, in the first uh in the first league, in the first season, the year turn uh the EU bracket was much smaller than the American one, I think. Like we are yeah. just eight players or so. But still, Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Though. But still, I, I didn't even realize that until, you know, you just mentioned it. I totally forgot that we even had an EU champion. Um, obviously, EU is underrepresented. If the, if the person who's running the, the, the podcast and the, the league forgets entirely <laughs> that we even had a winner. Um, but that's actually that's actually incredible um, that you won both. And also, so I, and another thing that I'm kind of curious about is. Um, what do you think the importance of being on something that you're just comfortable with is? I mean, versus having a really thorough understanding of the meta and knowing all of the matchups really well. A lot of people really think that's important, especially in competitive play. Um, but it seems like you've just sort of gone with what you enjoy and what you feel most comfortable with, even if it's not the most powerful at the time. Yeah, I think the factor is huge because usually when I start with a deck, I can, I usually have around, I don't know, 50, 55% win rate. And, but uh, when I, when I then play for, I don't know, a few weeks, then I can uh, get pretty reliably around 60, 63% win rate in, in like platinum. So I think it's a huge factor to have a comfort, comfort decks and to not play just what's the S tier. My my advantage was that all of my comfort decks were like pretty good decks in the meta as well, so that that helped. Yeah, yeah, I would say that the feel the rush, Trundle Trindemir, maybe had fallen off in popularity, um, but maybe it's something that even needs to be revisited if if you found that that was so successful especially because since we got lissandra we've gotten a lot of sort of like watcher spectral matron builds that are pretty similar to what you're trying to do right you're you're trying to stall out the game and then pull off something big at the end you're using similar factions all of those sorts of things you know a lot of reliability with uh with your frill your faction there uh and ramp and things so I, I think that's really interesting now a lot of our listeners are going to want to know you know just some maybe things that are a little bit more trivial don't necessarily have to do with the tournament but what is your uh, what's your favorite deck i mean if if you let's say i obviously trundle it seems like trundle and uh and uh trindamere are your favorite deck but if that is your favorite deck give us another favorite deck because we've already learned about that or look back over your time playing since beta what is the what is the deck that you've enjoyed playing the most in in lor mm, i really enjoy playing timo <laughs> really Timo's yeah. your choice just uh just planting mushrooms in my mushrooms in my opponent's deck that's my style i really like Timo, and i okay. really, i hope he gets i hope he gets some super skins so his animation is not just few invisible steps and then he just pops up as level two <laughs> that would be nice yeah. we need like a cosmic skin for him exactly. now that we've gotten some some skins uh, as well now you don't live really close by have you actually received the uh the prize package yet at where you are no i don't think so i think it will take few months at least it when we had to ship a uh, pint glass to australia not long ago it took 
weeks and weeks and weeks for that thing to arrive to Australia. So last week it went out, um, but it's going to take a little bit while, a little while to get to you. Um, I do have one final question for you. If you have someone else who's listening to the show and they want to be able to compete um, in the next season, you know, season four, which will probably be coming up sometime during the summertime, maybe the beginning of fall. Um, what, what point of advice are you going to give them? Keeping in mind, we're going to, we're really planning on mixing things up. We're going to mix up the format, mix up the length. We're going to do a lot of new things, but what advice would you give to somebody who really wants to do well in legends cast discord league season four? I would, I would recommend moving to America because the cross chart will be disabled. So the best piece of advice is move, move to the americas okay <laughs> any any uh less expensive advice uh oh, that someone less might have expensive? Just... things that require less of a visa and everything you know <laughs> just play play the decks you enjoy and you know really well i think that's the best that's the easiest path to victory the, the decks that you like the best the decks that you know the best um that means i'll just be playing uh lux ash uh for everything being since uh i i wish if they would just return heimerdinger to the way he was i could play heimerdinger vi again and and once again i would i would feel comfortable um and if the deck you feel most comfortable in is aurelia azir we tell them don't play that right yeah please don't yeah. <laughs> we're thinking about banning we're already thinking about banning uh the most popular decks and just ain't not allowed to play those those champions together um we've we're already talking about some some ways that we can mix up the rules and make it fun we're really excited about that so want to thank you so much Mateus, for coming on the show today uh right now guys dbn isn't on with us because this is a, a random day at one o'clock in the afternoon where i am uh, and Mateus, what time is it where you are right now? uh almost 7 p.m almost 7 p.m. So because of the time difference, uh, DBN wasn't able to get on on this section of the show. We recorded this separately. But Mateus, thank you so much for competing in the league. And once again, congratulations on winning season three. Yeah, no worries. Thank you. And may I have one final question, please? Oh, yeah, you can ask whatever you want. Absolutely. As an American, do you follow the hockey, ice hockey world championship or do you not? Um, well, I tell you what, I, I do kind of i do kind of uh, my family is my wife's family are big big hockey fans um and like my brother-in-law is at hockey games all the time um i don't watch it all the time but what question do you have about ice hockey is there something specific or do you just want to know if i'm a fan i just wanted to know if americans follow because world championship is a really big thing in europe but i don't think that it's a as big of a thing in America that you more focus on the NHL playoffs and then maybe on Olympics. But it seems like because Americans are always sending like B team to world championship and Canadians as well. So I don't think, don't think that it's too, it's uh, that popular. Yes. No, as it turns out in America, um, we don't like playing with everybody else. And so um, when it comes to world championships where other countries are at, if it's not the Olympics, there's pretty much not an American that knows it exists. I don't think um, we pretty much only pay attention to the, the NBA, the NHL, the NFL in the whatever the baseball one is, of which I don't watch any of them except the occasional hockey game. But the only hockey games I watch are the NHL is uh, is the upcoming ice hockey world championship going to be in the Czech Republic this year? Uh, no, it's it's in, I think it's in Riga. 
which is in uh let I I'm not really sure how to pronounce the country in English. No, that's okay. I I will I will tell you that you are in semifinals and you just beat uh you just beat Slovakia six to one. So you're in semifinals. Oh well congratulations <laughs> to the US uh the US team competing right now in ice hockey. I didn't know anything about it. Um I you know I I guess, I guess they don't have a, an EU NA uh, cross shard problem like we do in the, in Legends of Runeterra. Uh let's hope after this latest patch that they are indeed putting some more resources towards uh reunifying the EU and NA shards so that we can continue the Discord League in the way that we want to because uh, they're certainly not putting all of their energy right now into uh into fixing into fixing the meta as it stands. Uh we've had a strange week in, in the in the world of Legends of Runeterra. Um, but this is going to wrap up the the interview with Mateus. Mateus, once again, thank you for coming on. Really appreciate it. And uh, we're going to go ahead and jump back over to a conversation uh, with uh, with me and DBN. Time for the main event. Okay, guys, we're back. I hope that you really enjoyed that time together with Mateus. Now, we really do want to dig in to some of the stuff that's happened in the community over the last week. Um, I got a chance to listen to... Rune Terrible Radio last week, uh, right after the announcement about the patch. Uh, DBN, do you want to go over a little bit about, in case you've been, you know, blind to it? We actually had someone, you know, come into our Discord this past week. And be like, yeah, I haven't, I haven't played in, in a month. What's been going on? And I was like, oh, boy, <laughs> this is a weird time to be rejoining, but yeah. this is what's going on. So maybe you, maybe people stay tapped into the show, but haven't been playing frequently. Maybe they don't really know what's going on. So you want to tell them a little bit about kind of what has happened in the community over the course. Uh, like about this time last week, what was going on? Well, yeah. So there was a, the patch was highly anticipated as a way to mix up the game. Now, uh, LOR has a history of having pretty um, robust, I would say impactful uh, mm -hmm. patches, patches that uh, oftentimes uh, are effective at the very least at mixing things up and keeping people uh, on their toes for for the next month or so, and they really like to do you know heavy buffs and uh, usually will you know adjust things to the nerf. But we have seen now a trend of the last three or four patches where there's been less and less cards adjusted, um, way fewer buffs being dealt out, um, and more importantly, a slow reaction to um, the decks that the community has deemed to be. Um, overpowered uh slash unfun mm -hmm. and this patch was a continuation of that which i think hit something of a of a boiling point for a lot of people in the community um especially due to an perhaps inadvertent but definitely unwise to not say something about hidden buff uh to aurelia <laughs> yes uh all, all that to say, there was a pretty big outcry across pretty much all content platforms uh, of of Runeterra, and I mean that's just the facts. So yes. the the <laughs> we can argue, and we're going to uh, about how effective we think this patch is slash was. Uh, we can talk about what we think of the reactions, but that's what happened. People were not happy. Um, and and you know i think that there's arguments for both sides and and definitely understandable 
you know, arguments for both sides. But I, let me let me throw it to you. I, I want to hear your take because we we had we had different takes on this we on did. the first day or two. Yeah, yeah, we did. So just for uh, just so you guys know, like last week we did. We each did four nerfs and a buff, and that was only to keep time like reasonable, right? Because yeah. I thought that we were going to see at least four nerfs and a buff, maybe eight nerfs and two buffs, maybe more than that. I expected to see a pretty wide range of cards impacted because of the community's general disdain for the current meta. You know, people yeah. didn't like what Aurelia Azir brought to the table. People predicted it was going to be bad from the beginning. A lot of people, when it first released, was like, I'm done with this. This Right. People were not thrilled. Some people were excited. Some people not thrilled. It was like it was literally like hours before the deck was made. A yeah. day and a half before the deck was refined. So everyone thought something was going to change. So we got this sort of like long preamble about their views of things and all, you know, the devs thoughts. And then we got four cards. And the importance, maybe maybe more than Aurelia's ear, is that TLC did not get hit. Thresh Nasus did not get hit. So TLC, of course, is the, the deck that combos out with Lissandra is going to combo out, uh, you know, your big boys in, in one turn yeah, the um, and uh, the watcher in one turn and, and win the game, you know, with multiple watchers on a single turn. Um, so uh, no, no nerf to that combo deck, which everyone is like, well, this just seems like a, a straight up oversight. How could you not adjust this? And then uh, no, no touching on, uh, you know, Thresh Nasus, which has been very strong for quite a while now to be, I mean, to be arguing like it, you know, uh, well before Aurelia Azir came out, it was very strong, and it's still very strong. And so there was a lot of community outrage. And to be honest with you, at first, I understood it. Like, I I got it. Like, I was like, yeah. Like, we had a lot of people like, hey, guys, uh, you know, like, trying to keep our community, our Discord community from getting toxic. And and I, I wanted to, you know, be able to say something. and But I, I didn't have anything to say. I was like... In the end, I was just like, let's just give them a day. Like, let's give them a day to be mad. Um, like, I don't, it, there comes a point where it's like a devs, like I want to defend the devs and everything, but I really felt like I couldn't. Like now I, I don't necessarily feel like that right now, but on release, I really was kind of like, I, I feel like I can't defend this like what am i supposed to say like everyone knows there's a problem it's been made clear that there was a problem before this this is the stuff that they put out this is clearly does not address the problem they openly uh well not so openly but they label and and i mean it's very clear to me anyway that aurelia gets buffed from this which is a problem like and they don't they don't they're not open and clear about that in the patch notes it's just kind of like a sub note and it's like so it's kind of sneaky and a little schemy and, and kind of slimy and it's like well this isn't the this isn't the dev team that we've bought into this isn't the the development team that we love like we've bought into a team that's open and honest that's willing to take risks that makes big changes that frequently makes changes these are the things that they promised us whenever we got into this game many of us left card games or had our card games canceled as this was coming out um and so we had no other choice but this is where we landed anyway you know a lot of us are creating content for it and and then with that came a lot of the outrage from the content creators, right? You have Mogwai kind of went on a rant. Swim, uh, who was talking about not playing the game. BBG, who has been streaming Teamfight Tactics ever since. Um, and these guys are, 
you know, with the exception of one other, and I can't remember who the last streamer is, the last big streamer. These guys are kind of the big names in LOR, and they're all kind of like, yeah, like, if this is how they're going to handle the game, we might look to stream, create content for, or go other places. And a lot of these guys, um, you know, this is their living, right? For BBG, I think, probably for Mogwai. I don't know for sure for Mogwai Swim. Yeah, I think so. Definitely I think Swim. Mogwai and Swim. Mogwai Swim, BBG, like, this is their living. Like, this is, so for them to say, I think I'm done playing this game is not to say, man, I invested hours in this thing and now I don't want to play it anymore. This is for them to say, I'm I'm actually so upset with this game that I might be willing to go find a job that isn't, you know, streaming, YouTube, and content creation. Like, those are pretty big statements. Like, those are... Now, now that being said, the community was really fired up for about three days. So, on the backside of that, where am I today, DBN? Uh, we're going to talk about that in a minute. But I, I, I'm not, I'm not at the same place I was last week. Today, I'm glad that we actually did not know about this, because I think I would have been a lot more fired up a week ago if we had recorded. I, I'm glad that I'm not in that place right now. Yeah. Well, I, uh, for the record, um, you know, you, you talk about, and I know what you mean here. I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but you talked about, um, you know, you, you wishing or, or, or feeling unable to defend the devs. Um, yes. Uh-huh. I have never once given two shits about defending the devs as a blanket statement, unless I feel they deserve it. Um, I I am uh, going to be blunt and give my honest opinion with no bias because, you know, I, I if, if the devs hate us and don't listen, it doesn't matter. Like, uh, it makes no difference. They, they already uh, won't come on the show. So. Right. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> we already can't get a hold of them to come on the show anyway. So, you know, I'm going to give them credit where it's due because it's due. You know, I'm going if they if I have critique or criticism, I'm going to give it because it's due. You know, it's like I don't know if you if you know, for my office fans, you know, there's there's this uh, one of the later season, I think season seven, you know, Andy is going to a uh, is part of a. Sweeney Todd musical, like local theater thing. Uh, and at the yes, end, he's feeling uh, really down. And Michael comes over to him uh, and says, you were great. And he's like, no, you're just saying that. He's like, no, I'm saying it because you were great. If you were better, I would say it was better. Uh, but it was it was just great, <laughs> you know, or whatever it was. And great. And and that's uh, and that's exactly how I feel. It's like, I'm just going to call him how I see him. And I have no ulterior motive or, or agenda here. Um, that said, I had two thoughts when I saw the patch. I thought, well, this is disappointing, but it tracks with everything that they've communicated about their thoughts on Aurelia's ear so far. Like every, it was consistent with what they had said. In fact, it was ever so slightly like conciliatory in that originally they said, we don't have plans to nerf Aurelia Azir. Um, and and basically they gave all the reasons why they think it's an enjoyable fun play pattern and their nerfs were not really at the play pattern which i think is what most people are upset about and their nerfs were more at the um you know, snowbally kind of finishing aspect um of two of the cards and basically they said we like this play pattern we're just going to slow it down by one turn right um sure so it was fully consistent with their design implementation and the communication that they've had. 
on what they think about Aurelia Azir, even though that that is not what the majority of the community agrees with. So sure. seeing that, I was I looked at the, the the specifically the things that they nerfed in Aurelia Azir, and I said, yeah, I mean, I didn't really expect much more than that. Uh, I was disappointed to see that there wasn't more done to other lists, but quite frankly, looking at uh, the fact that I don't think Aurelia Azir is going to go anywhere, and and so far it hasn't really seemed like it has, um, but I don't have the, the numbers in front of me. It's probably dropped off a, a bit. Yeah, so uh, there was a one that came out today. Uh, Aurelia Azir was at about 15% play rate versus you know what it was in the past weeks which which was about 21 percent yeah 20 21 percent something like that yeah right um, now 15 percent are really azir 10 percent rush nasus still high but it's also probably a reaction to a lot of times when something's nerfed people will immediately just stop playing it there's a percentage of people that say it got nerfed therefore it must be bad now which mm -hmm. is just not correct but people do it um and so that that's it's probably a slight bit of overreaction but that's just my my guessing here well i will say this uh according to the meta review um it is from mobilitics it is 15 percent, but the win rate has gone from about 51 percent up to 56 percent. so that means there's less people playing it but those people are playing playing it more efficiently um and well, proficiently than before certainly so so something that um i know swim mentioned um and kind of talked about it at length, and I'm going to summarize. But basically, uh, Aurelia uh, Azir has this unique situation where it is both a low skill floor deck, mm -hmm. where like you can play it and be pretty good, being just average, yeah. um, but also a very high skill ceiling. Uh, you know, which a lot of times you'll see decks with uh, low skill floors, but also low skill ceilings, right? That's kind of like your typical, um, like all in uh, burn aggro lists. Sure. You I know? think maybe even Azir uh, Darius right now that's popular would be oh, a pretty good that's example. That's a of perfect that. example. Low skill floor, but also lo uh, low skill ceiling, where like you can be a brilliant player and a lot of times the lines just pick themselves, right? But there's a lot of, of different lines and approaches you can take with Azir Aurelia. And so in the hands of a particularly skilled player, it's very, very potent, um, which is why I think it has a, a higher win rate higher up the ladder than uh, it does elsewhere because a lot of people are, are playing it and playing it okay. But, you know, there's some certain, like, you know, do's and don't do's with the deck that they won't necessarily follow. Um, mm -hmm. so I'm not surprised to see that the win rate has gone up. Uh, it's, it's, it makes total sense. My, my whole thing on this was, I guess I just, I, maybe this is a defeatist mentality. Uh, but I wasn't surprised. And because I wasn't surprised, I wasn't angry. You know, I was yeah. just kind of like, eh, and this might be worse by the way. Like the origin of this uh, this emotion might actually be worse than the people that are angry because like the anger was generated by the expectation that there was going to be change and there was going to be, you know, an adjustment. And my default was I really doubt anything's actually going to change, which might sure. be a worse thing. Sure. So what you're basically saying is people's anger was primarily sourced because they believed that this team would do something more exactly and you're saying before you ever got to it you're like nah i didn't really think they were going to do the right thing here <laughs> I, I really didn't and they well and they didn't 
Sure. Um, so it, it was, it fit my expectation. So I couldn't really be that upset because I didn't have the expectation that something meaningful would happen with it. It just, it just, because I'd read all of their, their, you know, posts and stuff before. And I was like, well, look, they clearly don't agree with the, um, public discourse regarding, um, well, really, any of the top three, the three, what I would call the three problem decks, even though I don't necessarily think it's the three top decks. I don't have issues, by the way, with like Zoe and Dragons. I have a personal issue with Zoe, uh, <laughs> but I don't have an issue overall with the balance of like Dragons uh, with Shivana and Asol and Zoe, which is a strong deck because of the meta. I don't have issues with like Ezreal Draven, which I mean, Silverfuse came on and said it perfectly. It's probably the most fair deck that's ever been in this game. Um, there are very potent, strong decks that I have no issues with, and I don't think of them as problem decks, even though they're top tier, right? Mm -hmm. But the three problem decks, the decks that I think that are either too strong, too polarizing, or both, um, being Azira Relia, TLC, uh, and um, Thresh Nasus. And yeah. you, we have to look at the, the patches even before this, right? I called out two patches ago that I felt like Thresh Nasus was going to, you know, get completely out of control and they needed to preemptively nerf something there. They didn't. It did. Yeah. And then this last patch, uh, TLC and Thresh Nasus were the two, I mean, absolutely dominated almost every sphere of the game where uh, the majority, I think almost all of the um, uh, tur big tournament at the end of the season, end of season tournament, Almost all of the players had at least one of them in their lineup, and most of them had both, right? Um, so, you know, you looked at both of them, and what did they do? They did nothing to TLC, and then they did a, I have, I don't know, a conciliatory, okay, we'll say that we're going to do something to Thresh Nasus, but it really isn't going to make a difference. I mean, the atrocity going to seven is like, okay, but most games, it doesn't, that one extra mana doesn't matter. Um, and then, of course, the Blight of Caretaker couldn't have mattered less. So, and like, I feel like I feel like last time we got a patch. This is the one that you're talking about right here. The, I feel like you were almost more upset about that one than the community was. And yeah. then, and then, like, the community wasn't like outraged. I wasn't super upset. We're like, okay, we'll be fine. And then, like, but this was the tipping point for the other members of the community that was like, what the heck, man? Like, two in a row, two in a row that are well, look, you know, I misses. Mean, it, Again, people see a nerf and they assume it's going to make an impact. You have to look at what the card nerf is and what part of it's getting nerfed to identify whether it's going to matter or not. And I mm. looked at the the atrocity and the blighted caretaker and said, this makes no difference. It literally yep. makes no difference for how the deck wants to play and why it's strong. Right. Which and so like that's why I was upset. And I mean, I think that the the data the data has borne out that like that's valid because Thresh Nasus is still absolutely a problem. Yeah, and I think more and more, like for us anyway, right? Like you're you're saying like you you have to take a look. Like that has been maybe an area of concern for us is like we're seeing changes to cards and we're saying this doesn't even address the problem. Like uh, you, you know, there we're we're hearing Hey, we have additional data. Hey, we know some things that you don't know. And I understand that, right? Like, so as somebody who has spent at least a portion of his life 
sort of leading in some capacity, right? I understand a situation where you have information that not everybody has, and not all of that information is necessarily helpful for you to share. And you have to be consistent and careful with how you go about that, right? I, like, I understand that concept a little bit. But then if the actions that you take consistently communicate that you really don't know uh, how to, uh, you know, address the issues that people are expressing, it becomes a bit of a problem because, and people begin losing faith in you. And I really that's think that's it. what this was. People lost faith with the, with the devs community. It, this could not be a, a more crystallized argument than that. People, and I did, lost faith in the ability of the team to at least quickly balance things. And more importantly, to understand and to translate all of the data correctly so that it aligns with the player experience. That right there, I'm going to repeat that. Looking mm -hmm. at the data and translating it so that it aligns with the player experience. You can look at data and win rates, but if you're not playing the damn game, you know, like, and, and there's no way they can play the game at the rate that their player base can. There's well, just no, no there's way. There's no chance. You know, and, and that should be data in and of itself. I'm not saying go to Reddit, you know, and uh, take everybody who complains because they lost a game. Like if that was the case, you'd have, you know, unearned passage would be nerfed. You know, like, you know, the, the, the things that blow out, you know, random games like you, you, I'm not saying that they should go to Reddit for balancing, but, um, you know, you have a pool of exceptionally talented competitive uh, uh, players, but more importantly, content creators who I'm sorry, are way more in tune with the community uh, than the devs are going to be. Mm -hmm. um, and it's their job to create not competitive content but fun content and again i i feel like i keep saying this and seeing this in competitive games is that you have to you, know, you establish the culture do you want the game to be competitive or do you want the game to be fun which mm -hmm. one's first pick one okay and the culture will build around that that's why you have stuff like dota 2 where the culture is competitive if something is sucky at 2K MMR, the answer and, and the socially accepted answer is get good scrub. Okay. <laughs> like it may be toxic, but it, it's, it's the culture was built around the idea of, you know, roll with the metas, the skill matters, you know, um, and, and you'll outperform the outperform your opponent. Right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, but but you can't and I'm not saying that one is right. I'm just saying that is the culture that was built around it. The culture that's built around Runeterra through, you know, everything they do in the game between the emotes and the boards and the guardians and the marketing, it all points the game's primary attribute is fun over competitive. So you have to balance it as such. Yeah, and I think that the team has done a lot to try to split the difference between those two things. Um, there has been seasons where that's been done well. Um, but there has been times when it hasn't been done well. And I think that there's a point now where, to a certain extent, the developers have to win back the trust of the community. Um, and uh, and they so they tried to do that. And that's what we really want to talk about. I think that we're one of the first podcasts to get the opportunity to talk about a post that was made by the lead developer 
uh, Dova Geddes, I think is uh, mm-hmm. how you pronounce it. Um, so five days ago, he made a post called We Hear You, Updates to Live Cards and the Future. Now, I'm not going to read the entire thing, but I will throw a link to it in the show notes in case you missed it. Um, but it was a really, what I found to be engaging and helpful post. There's a couple worrying trends. But let me just go over the the, the short, long and short of it, a, a, a quick a quick look at, uh, you know, for me, uh, w- at least my initial reaction to it and what I thought. So um, the basic thing they said was this, like, okay, so we, we hit some changes. We realized that you are less than satisfied with those changes. I think that is a bit of an understatement. They wanted to let us know there's going to be a new release with the next expansion, Rise of the Underworlds, uh, which will be the next expansion release. And they'll also be releasing a large batch of card updates, including uh, older cards to old, and older champions and non-champions. So not just new ones, but also going to be going back and adjusting stuff. They also sort of gave the, the conclusion, like, listen, in this particular season, we've been really focused on future stuff. They have a really aggressive release schedule, right? They put out like a big set two smaller sets, champion set, shortly after that, big set, two smaller sets, champion set. And basically they said, we have allocated a lot of the resources of our team to be able to uh, create a really balanced experience on the next champion set, which will be releasing that champion set, small, really small set, we'll be releasing shortly after Rise of the Underworlds. And so he's basically saying, listen, there's a balance here between you know releasing new content versus old content. Now, I want to dig into that a minute and then come back to this post that they made because I was listening to Mort Dog um, not all that long ago. Mort Dog is the lead designer for Teamfight Tactics. He streams pretty regularly and uh, does a lot of, uh, you know, test server stuff and listens to the community, answers questions. It's a little bit rude, but um, I was listening to him. And uh, as Mort Dog was going through, one of the things that he said was, Whenever your team is working on a current set, you have to choose, do you want, how much time and resources do you want to pour into making this set better versus making the next set incredible, right? Like if, if we pour all of our time and resources into tweaking this set perfectly, when we do come into the next season and release the next set, that set might be so insanely flawed that we can ruin the game basically off of what comes out next. Now, I don't know if this is them learning um, because we saw this with the LOR team a little bit. The last champion expansion, we got Aphelios. And Aphelios was a pretty big problem and now is basically non-existent. So I was kind of curious about what your thought on that was, DBN, in terms of putting resources towards adjusting current meta versus looking forward to creating new stuff, adjusting and creating healthy metas in the future? Well, I wish I could say that I believed them because if that's the argument, then why the hell did Aurelia drop so obscenely like unbalanced? If they're so focused on the future and making the future great, how did that slip through? Yeah, I think that's a uh, good question. You know, I mean, so maybe, I, I, you know, what I guess isn't written here is, you know, and maybe should. Well, we didn't put as much time into the Aurelia set, but now we're putting way more time into the Underworld set. So that's how this ball got dropped. But that wasn't said. 
you know, uh, maybe that's the case. And I'm not sa- I'm not trying to say this guy's a liar. I, I don't know him. I, I know for all, you know, all I know and, and for what little I know is he's a pretty cool guy. Cool. Great. It doesn't help me, but cool. Um, the thing is, what I don't. First off, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to be uh, gracious here. You know, I'm trying. Sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's really hard because I think that if this were the case where, hey, we're reallocating resources towards, um, you know, this new set and future and expansions, be, yeah. you say that beforehand to set an expectation. And, and if that had been the case, that should have been said the last time um, Dova Geddes posted trying to get the community to chill out, which was only like two weeks ago. Yeah. And so to me, I I don't know whether, I don't know whether to believe, okay, they were trying to make it seem like everything was cool and they're totally on top of it, but they're not, which is what he said here, basically, which Mm -hmm. I'm fine with. I'm fine with them acknowledging fault and saying, Hey, here's why it happened. Here's what we want to do to improve it. That's fine with me, you know, but either they were trying to mask their confidence you know, um, last post or, um, this is a cover. This is a, okay, this will bail us out of this short term, uh, because we'll be able to convince everybody that it's because we're working on the new set. I'm not here to to drop conspiracy theories. I'm just saying it's because we, we don't have that. We can't know. It's not really building trust in that way out, you know, outside of the part where it says, Hey, we're listening and we're responding. From that perspective, this is great. But from the the details of what's being included within that post, it just makes me um, wish that they'd been preemptive with this as opposed to reactive. Like they're reacting to the community not being happy. And and every time it's just like the excuses are wearing a little thin. I'm going to be so much more forgiving if you tell me, hey, this next balance patch you know, is not going to solve a lot of these, you know, problems or we didn't get as much time. It's going to be a smaller balance patch. And that's because we're working on this big, new, awesome rise of the underworld expansion that you guys are going to totally dig that to me. I'd be like, cool. Thumbs up. Thanks for letting me know. I've tempered my expectations. Yeah, it's it's really interesting that in the patch 2.9.0, right? Um, you know, they say it off like we've seen a lot of conversation in the community lately on the topic of live design. Players are passionate about it. We're passionate about it as well. We believe that live design is strongly connected with one of our fundamental beliefs, which is that each player should be able to have access to all cards and decks without spending money. That fundamental aspect of Legends of Runeterra unlocks our team to be able to make card updates without punishing players for past card and deck acquisition choices. Yeah, so that, that that to me is stupid. I'm so sorry. so but. But this was the beginning of the 2.9. My question is, if this is the case, if they truly were, if internally they truly did say, hey, guys, we really want to focus on the future plan. If there was a true design and adjustment shift in mentality and philosophy, why wasn't that posted at the beginning of 2.9 instead of posted, you know, three days later? in a reddit post about an upcoming patch at 2.11 yes. yep like it, it seems like you're almost like ah shoot looks like we're gonna have to find a we're gonna have to adjust a lot of cards in a couple of weeks guys okay we got to get the team on it we weren't planning on doing that let's do it because i gotta we gotta we gotta stem the bleeding here and you're sort of scratching the bottom of the barrel for 
the the excuse the excuse is barrel right yes. the like how yes. what's the best way for us to take ownership of the situation carry the blame but also provide a hopeful outlook to the future for the community well let's tell them that we've been really working hard on the content to come and they should be really excited about it um and that's the reason why we're doing less live updates um and that you know that's a, that is a little bit concerning that's a little bit concerning to me yeah, that, that, yes, I, again, trying to be gracious, you know, really yeah. trying to be like, um, because at the end of the day, these guys are working hard. Sure. Uh, you know, it, it, it is a passion, too. you know, they had a rough year too. 2020 was tough on everyone. Like I, I, I'm, <laughs> I, I never want to be one of those raging neck beard nerds that just can't let something like this go. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, because at the end of the day, they're people too. And I, I don't want to um, denigrate them or their, um, their effort because I 100% believe that they care about this game and are trying to make an awesome, great game. Yeah. Um, and I'm my, playing it. I'm playing my, it. Yeah, I, oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, but there's a reason why I'm not playing ranked. Or, or even yeah, casual. I'm not, playing, I'm not playing constructed, really. Yeah, I'm not playing constructed, <laughs> which is, I mean, if you guys know me, it is a major deviation for me. Uh, I oh, mean, yeah, absolutely. It, I mean, for those of you who have know my Tesla background, I never played alternate formats ever. Mm -mm. I was a, I was a ladder warrior. Um, well, admittedly, I played off meta stuff, but I mean, I was always playing constructed, and that's always been my preferred, you know. Uh, game mode you know but at credit again massive credit to lor for breaking me of that trend but it probably wouldn't have been enough uh if it wasn't for getting pushed out of uh enjoying constructed as much uh as much as i do enjoy playing vlad brahm that was more of a short term i put a a short-term objective in front of me that i knew i could achieve and i wanted to see how quickly i could do it so i played my favorite deck Right. That doesn't mean I'm necessarily enjoying the, the road there. I mean, you know, uh, it was nice to beat a couple of Aurelia's ears along the way. But again, you know, they, they made some dumb mistakes. It's you're down in silver. <laughs> uh, it, it wasn't a particularly hard grind uh, because I, I'm not sure. Yeah, you get what I'm saying. Point is, this did not do enough to me for me to restore trust. Again, it's it's. um. Actions speak louder than words, but, you know, communicate early and often, <laughs> and then I'll expect less action. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I, I agree. I agree. You know, I read this at first, and I didn't even think of it that way, but you're right. Like, there was open and opportunity. There was plenty of opportunities to communicate. This is a switch in design philosophy um, well before the entire community was fuming angry. And that comes back to transparency, which is a problem that we've seen with a lot of development teams for different games. But especially, honestly, a lot of the LOR players are previous Hearthstone players. And that was a big problem in Hearthstone, was we consistently yep. had no good 
open or even helpful communication with the developers of the game that would tell us where they were, what was going on, what their philosophies were. I understand them not wanting to share every statistic that they have about the game. I understand that being private information. However, uh, there is something about transparency. And the reality is in this current time that we live in, like there's also this cultural phenomenon, which I'm not going to get into, but basically people don't trust institutions and they especially do not trust wealthy or large institutions. And Riot is about as big as you get in the gaming world. And so people are naturally not going to trust them. The reason why people have been so on board with this team, and I think the reason people were so outraged, is because of the trust that was developed. Mm -hmm. And I think that this post, to me anyway, so far doesn't speak much to restore trust. If anything, it's, it's saying, I think if you think this one through, I'm not sure that this is the real reason that we didn't get the adjustments that we thought we were going to get. Which they then go into regarding Blade Dance specifically, and they say that they sort of realize that there is this, there's this tension, they say. So it says, to clarify our stance, we know that there's a healthy tension between the deck's ability to win, deck popularity, how fun a deck is to play, and how frustrating it is to play against. We want Blade Dance to sit in the middle of all of these factors. Um, it's still funny because my issue is not even necessarily with Blade Dance. And I think overall, the community as a, as a whole is... I, I understand why they put this paragraph here because people are like, Aurelia's ears busted and you guys aren't doing anything about it, and yada, yada, yada. But I think that overall, the, the community as a whole is more concerned with the seeming slow pace that they are adjusting things and the lack of adjustments that they're making in live updates rather than this specific deck, right? This is the community looking and saying, how are you not adjusting this? It's not about Aurelia Azir. I don't think Aurelia Azir is any more powerful than any of the other powerful decks that we've had. In fact, I don't think it's probably even in the top five. I think it's a really strong deck. I think it has clear counters. I think there's lots of decks that have been better than it. The point is, is a lot of people are looking at it and saying, come on, guys. Like, you said you were going to do these things, and you're not. And um, But I, I am curious about what your thought is about, like, this fitting in that perfect space about being fun to play, not being too unfun to play against, can win pretty well, but not win too hard. I, I, do you think that's even a realistic uh, goal in terms of balance? Um, Am I asking you questions that are too hard right now? Is that <laughs> no, no. I, did, I didn't prepare DBN for any of my questions. No, no. I, this is not a scripted uh, show. We uh, live on the cusp. Yes. No. Here, okay, look. Um, Blade Dance. This is just my take on it, okay? Um, I, 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 I don't want to sound like one of those people that hates on whatever's strong. Because I really hope it's clear, like that—that's not actually how I feel. Now, I, I think I do sometimes mirror my mirror sentiments about things that I feel are um, un, unfair in terms of like things that you know, compared to the entire rest of the game, nothing else comes is comparable. Which is how I feel about Spectral Matron Watcher. There's nothing comparable to that in the late game of anything else in in LOR. So therefore, I think it's a problem because things should have things shouldn't be equal, but there should be competition for, hey, here's a late game strategy that's going to play against another late game strategy. And you've got combo strats. You've got, you know, the, you've got um, uh, grindy attrition uh builds like they they all exist but there should be some level of parity when it comes to 
um, the efficacy and efficiency of them, right? If something's going to be super, super potent, it shouldn't be, it should be less consistent, right? Mm -hmm. Such that you might argue that, hey, maybe instead of this really strong kind of grind them out finisher, I could play the more efficient uh, deep. Like that should always be an argument, right? Um, sure. At least in my my design philosophy. Um, so my issue comes when there are th you know new mechanics introduced that completely disrupt and break the flow and the established expectations of the game mechanics, and that's what I feel that Blade Dance has done. And I feel like they're not addressing the fact that like you know before Blade Dance attacking. Uh, multiple times in a round, you could only attack twice in a round uh, naturally with, with keywords. Yeah. And then sometimes you could get a third or fourth attack if you were playing very specific, hard to pull off things or really costly rally cards, right? Um, so like if you leveled Lucian, maybe you can get that third attack, that magic third attack in a, in a round. Like I'm just saying it was so hard to do. And all of a the sudden there's this one deck it cannot be accessible to other factions. That's an important thing, right? If you have a really strong, you know, um, card effect uh, or, or something um, that's a, just a raw good stuff, a lot of times it feels less bad when it's accessible to other factions, so at least it's spread out. Like every faction, as, as strong as it is, every faction can go and grab a Fearless Hunter. Is that what's called? The... I'm blanking on it. The the fearsome four the three four three the three man at four three yeah it's something like that ruthless hunter fearsome uh, hunter something gonna, like that uh, yeah um hunter gonna, merciless hunter merciless, <laughs> merciless hunter. hunter um you know every every faction that wants a pair of Sharima can go and grab it and it, it's like a legitimately like good card and and it's not it's not uh, restricted by a certain like synergy package. You know, sure. But this is a hyper specific synergy package um, that can literally break the confines a of how many times you can attack in a turn, like blows out pre-established expectations of that. Uh, and B, the ability to uh, have burst speed attacks on your opponent's attack token turn, which completely throws off the entire math of all of the decks in the game, which were previously had that assumption that. If I have the attack token, I can spend it pushing tempo or I can spend it rebuilding and surviving and buffering, buffing up defenses or, you know, proactively cycling towards my win con or whatever. The relentless pressure, the fact that you never feel safe from an attack, you never can, um, you, you can't stop putting things on board or else you get run over, right? It, it, it really breaks down a lot of the fun ways that people had to play the game and forces them to adapt to this style where they constantly feel like there's a gun pressed against their head. Right. I think there's some truth to where this comes into deck building because right now, at least in my opinion, right in my experience with deck building is every deck that I build, it's like, Oh yeah, but, but can't, does this just get run over? Really is here. Yeah. Yeah, can't play this against really Azir. And it's like, it, there's a couple of bullets that are in the LOR, you know, arsenal that can deal with the really Azir, right? Fearsome units, really fast decks, 
Braum and Scargrounds. Those are some of the things that can deal with Aurelia Azir and a deal with effect effectively. And I think pretty efficiently, to, to, to be honest with you. It, it, but the, it, it's very odd because when you play against, it's like it's you lose before you end up getting in the game, right? Because when you play against Thresh Nasus, you're like, wow, this deck is raw, very powerful, very efficient, very good removal, very difficult to deal with. All of those things are true. But once you queue up against it, you're like, I think I'm unfavored here, but maybe I can run this line. You right? at least get to play your deck. That's the but issue with both Fiora when Fiora is good, but also with Aurelia Azir is you don't get to play your deck. You have to completely pivot and play the way they want to play or else you stand no chance. It's one thing if a deck says play my way or you're disfavored. It's another thing if a deck says play my way or you lose. Mm hmm. And Aurelia Azir does that in, in spades in many cases. And it, it does feel like you lose in deck building, right? You kind of go in and now, now the game is actually done before I ever get into the game, right? It's like, mm -hmm. okay, okay, I'm going to play some LOR today. Um, I am either going to play a deck, uh, you know, that can beat some of the decks. And if I go up against Aurelia Azir, I lose. But the games that I don't go up with Aurelia Azir, I probably win. Or I go in and I'm going to beat Aurelia Azir. So when I come up against Aurelia Azir, I'm going to win. And when I don't, I'm probably going to lose. And then that's just kind of how it feels. It's It feels like, well, there's not really a point in playing the game because I don't, like a lot of the decisions that I make don't end up being all that effective. Now, I know that could be a little uh, over the top. And I know that's the general, but that's the feel of the community across the board when it comes to dealing with this deck. And I, I know that they like the way that it plays. It is actually a fun game. It, it, it's not an unfun deck to play. It feels very powerful. It feels like you're cheating. Most of the time you're playing, yeah. you're like, oh, it doesn't feel like I'm playing by the rules of LOR. This feels like I'm playing an well, entirely different should, game. There should be, so like I've always been like, there's a fine line when innovating new mechanics between, um, you know, putting something new and innovative in and completely changing the way that the, the mechanics and the expectations around the mechanics are played. And that's what it seems like Blade Dance does, which it's, it goes too far in trying to change how people play LOR and forces them to say, hey, this isn't the game that I've been spending a year and a half playing. I didn't, you know, I, I it's it's like, I mean, think about that. Like, like I'm, I'm trying to come up with a comparison. Like if you had, if you were playing Tessel, and there was a new mechanic that said, um, there's only one lane now. Is it good? Probably. Is it, uh, you know, uh, fun to, to play, to mess with the opponent by taking away a lane? Probably. Does it force everyone who liked the way the game was before to either say, or to either nut up and deal with the new version, you know, uh, or leave? And Blade Dance is teetering on that edge where... People liked the pace of the game. You know, they liked the idea of, hey, if I'm playing against aggro, I have a turn to breathe and to try to assess how I want to put up my my defenses for the next attack. Mm -hmm. Right. And if somebody wanted to attack on the other turn, it was a it was a, a, a usually a slow speed spell or it had a big cost restriction associated with it. You knew it was coming, or once it came, you knew you you had you had a, a a turn to play around it. But this is like a burst speed open attack on your opponent's you know attack token. It's 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 saying to the people that liked the way the game was before, get over it. 
And that doesn't go over well with people. You know, uh, you have to, when innovating, you know, okay, here, here's an example. Um, going back to Gwent, there's all these new uh, uh, keywords and stuff like that. All these new mechanics. Mm-hmm. And I was looking through them. And I was like, oh, this one does this thing and this one does this other thing. Okay. Um, you know, kind of wrapping my head around some of them. Like they had, they added a new like allegiance based mechanic that I, I really like. You know, if you, if you, as long as you have no neutrals in your deck, you get this extra bonus whenever you play a card with this keyword, you know. But then I was looking at this and, and I saw this, you know, ingenious uh, mechanic, which is basically this it has this, um, it's called uh, adrenaline and it'll be like adrenaline three. And basically, if you have fewer, if you have that amount of cards or less in your hand, it gets that whatever the benefit is. You know, Um, so they're finding ways to innovate and come up with new mechanics and keywords that are interesting and that compel you to explore how you already played the game differently. And that's not what Blade Dance is doing. Blade Dance is saying, play the game differently, like play Mm -hmm. the game. You know, this is a different game now when Aurelia's ear is 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 on the table I, you know, I know it sounds cliche, but it's just a different, it's not LOR the way we've been playing for a year and a half. It definitely feels very different. Um, I, I do want to close up with something that I found to be a little bit positive uh, and, and just sort of, so, okay, so one of the worries that I always get into when it comes to stuff like this is I want the developers to hear the community, but I do not want the developers to be pushed around by the community because we have certainly experienced and saw this in Tesla towards the end of the game, whereas the community would react and the developers would just, they, they were living in response instead of proactively developing a game. And I want to see the LOR team continue to proactively develop a game. And one of the things they said at the very end of this post was, the answer may not always be live design. It could be a new expansion or just time to discover new impactful decks but live card updates can be a powerful tool to help when necessary to keep the game feeling fresh and exciting. Now, this is a response that is probably not what the community necessarily wants to hear. We got some good and positive feedback on it. I think it's a honest response. Um, now, obviously, one of their philosophies before was like, nope, we're going to change stuff. We're going to change stuff really regularly. You don't have to ever worry because you're never going to deal with the meta for more than like two weeks. And we're going to change it again because we want there to be a constant rotation of stuff. This is them saying like, no, we're going away from that. Um, we're hoping that the the metagame will develop on its own. We hope that you'll discover the stuff that's out there that hasn't been discovered yet that maybe we're aware of. Um, we hope that uh, that you realize that, hey, in a, in a month, we're going to get new cards in that new expansion is going to switch things up as well. Rather than reinforcing existing archetypes, we're going to introduce new decks into the environment. Um but I, I also appreciate the fact that at the end of this, it's kind of like, hey, just so you guys know, you're not always going to get what you want. We are going to continue to develop the game in the best way that we see possible. Um, we have a direction and vision for the future of LOR. Now, whether or not I trust them with that or whether or not I believe in that is, is uh, you know, up to me, right? But I get I get a vote every day. Every day I get a vote, and that vote is to play or not to play LOR. Um, and uh, if you want to vote to not play, you're not going to play. But basically what they're saying here is, we're going to continue to develop the game in the ways that we see is the best for the game, but we've also heard you, and we want you to know that we know that you want more live updates, and we're going to sort of redirect some effort back towards that 
but ultimately we're kind of calling the shots for the development of this game. Um, there is a part of me that's like, eh, and there's a lot of me that's like, okay, like I, that is more like leadership to me. And I'm glad that they're hearing people. I'm also glad that they're saying, no, like we are going to continue in the directions that we feel is best for the game. That allows them to own it, whether they put it in the ground or not. And with Riot, they probably have enough money not to put it in the ground, at least for quite a while. Um, so, I, you know, that was kind of the last. I don't know that DBN will have the same uh, reaction to that comment as I did. Um, but for me, anyway, it was like, eh, I have a, that, that restores some energy and hope in me. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I, can, get, I can get behind that. And I also realize that that's probably true. Maybe all of the live updates that I want aren't the best long-term answer for the game. Yeah, no, it's um I think I said I think I'm on the record as saying like I that I don't like when devs get pushed around. Oh yeah, but, we've definitely talked about that before. But but I also there there is a I don't want devs to get pushed around when it comes to their their decision making and their game design. Uh, but I do want devs to get pushed around when it comes to how they engage with their community. That's my biggest complaint at the end of the day. Like you know, I I think Blade Dance is unfun, uninteresting, and it stops me from playing the way I like to play in constructed formats. Um, therefore, I have an issue with Blade Dance. But somebody else has an issue with something else. Somebody else has an issue with something else. At the end of the day, it's gonna they need to be they need to align their design with what the community uh, values and it just goes back to what I said about is this game a competitive focused game or is this game a creative and casual and fun loving focused game they they seem to want it to be best of both worlds they want to have their cake and eat it too and I just don't think that that is long term feasible that's my criticism uh, at mm. the end of the day is pick one you know uh, over the other pick one and then do your best with the other and right now they don't i don't feel like they have committed the same level to the competitive scene as other games have therefore i think that the more important thing is the fun factor which means live balance updates pretty frequently um mm. it gives people stuff to talk about it gives community uh you know, something to debate and to get excited about it. But at the end of the day, it keeps people on their toes and it keeps people quiet. Um, that seems to be what they want. You know, they want everybody to shut up and enjoy the game. Well, if you, you, you know, it'll never be silent, but you, you can't ask people to trust you and to be quiet and shut up and enjoy your game. If you don't set yourself up for success. So my criticism comes there in their decision-making uh, over their broad strategy. But when it comes to their tactics and how they implement their strategy, I agree. I don't want them to just be pushed around um, mm -hmm. because I think that what that will do and what that has done to other games in that situation is made an inauthentic product. And I would hate for LOR to go down that road. Um, I don't have to like everything that they do. I reserve the right to, you know, use my podcast and my platform to communicate that. But at the end of the day, they do not have to listen to me. And they also don't have to keep me. 
if I'm, you know, they, I'm just one person. If at the end of the day, I don't like the direction Eloir has gone uh, and I leave, but, you know, five people for every me love the new direction of LOR, that's valid, you know, yeah. fine. But I just, I'm seeing an inconsistency in, in internal direction from what we see. And that's, that's my big complaint more so than anything else. Uh, and so I guess make their, you know, make your decisions, run the game how you want to run it, but just be honest about it and just be, you know, be forthright about, you know, putting your foot when you are putting your foot down, don't make it, don't write something that is wishy-washy. Don't write something that is, well, we're listening, but we're not going to change anything or we're listening, but we we've got our eye on it. That is, that means nothing. Say, we're not changing it. Get over it. The sooner you get over it or, or decide to leave or whatever, the better it is for everyone else. Um, it's a bold strategy when there's a lot of money wrapped up in it, but, you know, and there's probably better ways to do it than how I phrase it. But at the end of the day, that's kind of what you got to do. <laughs> you, you have to be clear if you, it, because you, it, it is, it becomes worse if you, you know, have three patches where you're wishy-washy on things and you say you're going to do something and you look at it and then you do a fake, you know, or a, a, um, Oh, sure. I guess we'll nerf, Thresh Nasus, you know, but only only a little bit to, to really show you guys that we don't actually think it's a problem. Like if they've taken these half measures, same thing with the Azirelli. Remember that the uh, update before they said we have no plans to patch Azirelia in two weeks. Uh -huh. And it's because we have to submit the patch notes to the Apple and Google Play stores and they require a two weeks. Note. Well, somehow they got through that. Somehow that you know, got <laughs> adjusted. Somehow we got some adjustments through. Yeah, uh, because there was two nerfs to Azirelia, which you can argue how effective they're going to be. Um, but, it, you know, at the end of the day, they they clearly did back off and do what the community wanted, but not completely. They didn't commit to it, you know? So it's just like, commit. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I'm curious to see what the next... You know, we're at the end of this. I, I think that we've sort of gone through and, and uh, you know, beaten this horse. Uh, and it's been beaten by others, but we got to chime in and talk about it as well. I think that we're, you know, it's going to be, I'm curious to see because I'm not any, I'm not at the point of like, I'm done with this. Like, I still no, am enjoying neither. the game. Me neither. Still having a lot of fun with it. I'm having most of the fun outside of the meta, outside of the ladder. You and I both are not playing much constructed. We're still enjoying it. But. I am really curious to see, okay, what are you guys going to do next? Um, because uh, how they handle the next thing, you know, I go back and I think of Silver Fuse really early on who expressed some concerns saying the people on their team don't have experience in card games. And uh, now I think that Silver's much closer with the team now um, than what she was back then. And that may not be her opinion today, but to me, some of this lack of experience in developing card games is showing to a certain extent um at this point in the game but uh yeah I but mean, yeah well, there's a lot of there's a lot of great things just in summation you know we love lor and and, and it, our critiques come from the direction of we want it to succeed we want it to thrive and from a personal standpoint i do want people to stop being mad about the game 
And there's no way to stop people from getting completely stop people from, ha you know, getting mad about anything. Um, but I would love to have a meta where the community chills out for a bit. That would be um, nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would certainly be nice. And I think, you know, uh, not that our Discord community is a problem, you know, but I, I feel I feel bad and, and I it's not fun to see the thing, you know, that you spend so much time and energy uh, on uh, get uh, dunked on by people all the time on Twitter, on Reddit, whatever. And it's not fun to it's also not fun to say, hey, I, you know, to to read those things and be like, yeah, I, I agree. It's like, it's <laughs> both. You know, mm -hmm. you don't want people to be upset at the game that you love. You want everybody to have a honky-dory time and get along and it to be, you know, uh, sunflowers and unicorns, right? Uh, you're not going to get that, that goal. But that, that's the goal, though, right? Is for everybody to just be enjoying playing a cool video game. And uh, I guess I just, you know, we had that, we, we didn't know how blessed we were for that first year when everybody mm -hmm. was just so optimistic. I want that optimism back. I I do too. I'd love to see that back. And I hope they can restore some of that with sort of the end of this set. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that will be the case. But let's go ahead and retire this conversation. We've shared our final thoughts on the state of the game and, uh, and the state of the, the you know, conversation uh, between the devs and the community. We do have some exciting announcements. We are going to have a special guest on next week. And then in the weeks to come, we are going to have some big announcements. So probably for about our two-year anniversary in two weeks from now, uh, we're going to have a big announcement. Probably within a couple weeks of that, we're going to have another big announcement. So DBN and I are planning on shaking some things up. we got some exciting stuff coming for yep. Legends Cast. Uh, so even though we are playing Legends of Runeterra and, uh, you know, we're not playing competitive play right now and not playing a lot of, uh, you know, constructed, we are uh, we do have big plans for the show. And so stick around Absolutely. and hear about those big plans because we are really, really excited about that. Um, why don't we work our way out of here? I'll go ahead and give a quick closing thought. Guys, tonight the closing thought is definitely quick because this has been a long episode. Um, but I just want to say recently I've been reflecting on the concept of contentment and how important contentment is in life. I think there's no greater time to talk about the importance of contentment when we're not content. And right now, many of us might not be totally content with the state of the game and Legends of Runeterra. Um, but in life, it's not very helpful to consistently be hungry for more and to never be content with anything. For some, time, for some of us, or some seasons of life, you know, enough is just never enough. Uh, and our lives are always much better off seeking how to be content in all situations, even when things aren't ideal or perfect. We are generally a lot more fulfilled, happy, pleasant, wise, and better at decision-making whenever we're living in a state of contentment. And I've always learned that contentment has almost nothing to do with your circumstances and almost everything to do with your state of mind. And uh, maybe that's not a great closing thought because it doesn't dig too deep, but that's just where I am. I've been reflecting on the importance of contentment in my own life. And uh, maybe that'll spur you to, to think about the importance of contentment in yours. That's my closing thought tonight. Told you Good. quick and easy, quick and easy. Good stuff. Quick and easy. I think, uh, okay, guys. I think just on that note, it's uh, when it comes to contentment and if you're not content, um, you know, is maybe obvious, but 
you have to take – I feel like this is just every time I we have a closing thoughts, I always just circle back to the idea of like practice uh, self-analysis. That's like, really what you, most of closing thoughts is about. It really is like, you know, <laughs> you have to be willing to be vulnerable with yourself. Um, and that's something that like I have not always been good about, but that like I have to try and think about. But every time I do – um, it's yielded a lot of very positive and favorable results because, you know, once you are honest with yourself and you, you're able to identify sources of pain, you know, sources of frustration or discomfort, you can actually do something about it. Cause a lot of times those things just creep up in the back of your mind and you can't really put, you know, you can't really put a pen in what's causing it. So take that extra bit of time, figure out if you're, if you're not content, figure out why, uh, you know, and then you can take the steps to to getting to that place, rearranging, because I think, Mark, you're totally right. It's a state of mind issue, you know, and rearranging your your expectations to fit a state of mind that's more um, healthy. It, it, you know, it all starts with self-analysis. So, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, guys, that's going to do it for this episode. We want to thank you for stopping by. If you do want to find uh, our Discord server or any of the content that we're putting out beyond this podcast, you can find that in uh, some some stuff in the description of the episode. So grab those links there, including a link to our Patreon if you want to be one of our supporters. We would love to have you do that. And if you don't mind, swing by iTunes. Leave us a rating and review for the show. Uh, I don't think we had any new ones this past week, but if you do give us a rating and review, we will go ahead and mention it on the show. Read it out. Uh, we would really appreciate that. So stop by. Give us a rating and review, especially if it's five-star. Definitely going to read it then. Mm. That's going to do it for this episode. Star. Or if it's one star, we will read it and be mad about it. We will it. read it um, in, 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 in angry voices. <laughs> how dare yes. you? Don't how like how dare you? Not thoughts. Do not tell me what the you don't like. The good news is, I don't feel like super. Uh, I don't feel like super bad saying that because I feel like somebody who would rate it one star probably didn't make it this far. <laughs> that's probably true, that's probably true. Yeah. you just like this that much you probably left when you probably left um, <laughs> okay guys thank you so much for listening to this episode we appreciate you um and uh thank you for coming and, and be sure to come back again next week Thanks for listening to Legends Cast. This episode was brought to you by listeners like you. Don't forget to join our Discord community and support us by leaving us a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. A special thanks goes out to all of our Patreon supporters over at patreon.com slash legendscast.